Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Good afternoon, Bobo. How are you doing today? Good, Cliff. How are you doing? I am doing all right, if not better. How was your uh, 4th of July? Because we're recording this short the week after 4th of July. I know that's not when our listeners are hearing it, but how was your 4th of July? Did you, were you, did you act independently? Yeah, it was cool. I went, uh, saw some friends, my buddy Jensen. He's a buddy of mine from LA. He's got edited my first uh, sizzle reel for when I was talking to these uh, networks about doing a show back in like 2004, 2005. And so he came up with his wife, and uh, they, there's always a big party when they come. So went to that. They went to the McCoys for a barbecue, and that was cool. And then came back here and just hung out, and then we watched the fireworks over the bay. But it was kind of like, welcome to Eureka. You see these little rockets going up in the air, then you see a big poof of color in the fog. Oh, in the fog, right? The, the entire sky lights up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. I, I just laid low myself, man. I mean, because um, I don't want fireworks in my neighborhood because I live in a tinderbox. Yeah, Corita went out to a um, uh, out to Peachtree Lane off of Patterson Road in Willow Creek up, uh, the day before, and she left uh, right after it got dark. And she said, and she was walking to her car and she heard some whistles and then some uh, these bird calls. Like she goes, they were not normal bird calls and. She's pretty attuned to that stuff. She said these things were odd and coming from back and forth to each other. And then um, she got in her car and started driving away. And it was, you know, it was like 105 or whatever it was. And she had her windows down while letting it, before the AC kicked in. And as she started driving down the road, um, she hears this like call. And then this huge tree comes. She heard ripping and breaking and then smashing down. And it was like not a puff of wind. No kidding. Yeah. Now was Krita into it? No, she doesn't want to be around him. She's her, Dave Pilates ruined it for her. <laughs> oh, Dave. Okay, so uh, Dave owes Bobo one. <laughs> He's made up for it. You know, that reminds me, actually. We had a guy in the museum here this past week who, who's who been a logger all his life. He's he's out now. He, uh, he just retired uh, just a few months ago, actually, for uh, because of injuries, which is kind of the way I suspect most loggers kind of get out of it, honestly, because logging is a tough gig. You did it for a long time. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. Yeah, but um, he was saying, oh, yeah, he's telling me about the, some footprints that he found. He showed me on his, his phone, and they're really good footprints. They're really good footprints. Um, and they're at a place where we get a bunch of reports out of over in the coast range. And, um, and uh, I was asking him, I was like, so you, I mean, you logged for decades. I mean, where, if you ha- if you could choose one spot to send me and think, okay, like you, you should go here because this is where I hear the most stuff personally. And also this is where I hear about the most stuff from other loggers. He didn't blink an eye. And he said, this spot 
right there. And then I, I looked at the map and sure enough, it connects to this other spot that I get a ton of stuff out of. It, it, fantastic. Right, and just in, in the general Tillamook area, it is a fantastic corridor because I've, I have like four or five footprint, uh, footprint photographs from this one particular area. And you go three miles to the West and that's where he told me to go look. And I said, what's so good about it? He goes, well, first of all, not just me, but I have been trailed out of there and I hear him breaking and stuff. So like, and you're walking back to the truck. He goes, no, dude, when I'm in my truck driving down the gravel road, hauling logs out, I can hear these things chasing after the car or chasing after the truck and breaking branches and tearing stuff out and making a hell of a ruckus. And I'm not the only one. And I said, wow, they must really want you out of there because if they're making that much noise to hear over a truck, you know, how insane is that? Right. Yeah, he said he's heard that a number of times, so I'm hoping to try to peel away and get to the coast hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Well, after all these gigs are done, we've got a couple of gigs for the next couple of weekends. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's kind of cool. And I have a really good uh, footprint photograph from one of my uh, local spots here over in the coast range. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. There's always something happening at the NABC, I'll tell you. Yeah. So uh, what do you got lined up for today, Cliff? I have something cool. I have a personal friend of mine. I didn't know this guy a year ago, or maybe it was about a year ago. I met him actually thinking about it. Um, this gentleman, Mike Waldy is his name, uh, or Michael Waldy, if you want to be formal, but I know Mike and there's no way that's why he wants to be formal. Um, uh, he uh, sent me some footprint um, cast photographs last year. One of my opinion, I gave him my opinion. I didn't think they were real. I'll get, although I kept the door a little bit open and, um, and he, he did investigations and stuff and whatever. And it turns out that they're almost certainly not real, which is fine. That, that happens in big Bigfoot land, you know, we all have hoaxes sent to us every once in a while. But um, we got to hang out in person when I spoke at Craig Woolheater's uh, Texas Bigfoot conference last October. Um, that's when um, he brought some witnesses in that had a face print on a glass, kind of like, you know, the bridges and the handprint on Finding Bigfoot. This, these, this couple had a face print on the glass, and I got to speak to those witnesses. Um, and man, they've got amazing stories. Uh, Shelly uh, Covington, Montana, who we had on as a guest a couple weeks ago, um, when if you might remember, we spoke about a little bit about this face print and how uh, she lifted the print from the glass and everything. And it's going to go on the um, exhibit at the NABC here. Well, Mike was the guy that kind of coordinated a lot of this and really kind of put the pieces together. And um, he is a, a, a really avid, no nonsense uh, Bigfoot researcher from Texas. He has a group, I think it's called the Texas Bigfoot Rangers. And he, he and Shelly are getting something together he wants to talk about. So um, yeah, Bobo and everybody listening, Please welcome Mike Waldy to Bigfoot and Beyond. Hey, Mike, how you doing today? Hey, Mike. Hey, man, it is great to be here. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of fun things to talk about this evening. Oh, too many, too many. It's only an hour podcast, so or, or so. We're kind of loose on it, so whatever. Well, where do you want to start, Mike? Like, what what would you like to the start with? Maybe uh, how you got into it, or what you've been doing, or what? Well. I got interested in it a long time ago, and I was like a lot of them are today, uh, armchair research. And I had some incidents that happened back in, one was in 1991 and one was in 1995. One of them was I heard uh, a vocalization I compared to like the Incredible Hulk, and it had to be a mile away. And that just got written up as I don't know what that was. And then, you know, the 95 incident was about six miles away as a crow flies. I was hiking through the woods in the middle of the night with about seven or eight other people. And I wouldn't let them take flashlights. We was using Bic lighters. And before we hit the trailhead, I had told them that 
when you're walking, if you hear a crunch, that means you're off the path. And uh, we started walking through there and I noticed something was crunching and, and it, you know, it sounded bipedal and some quadrupeds even sound bipedal. But at the time I was thinking this was just somebody kind of hearing all these girls holler and following us. And we got everybody to stop three different times. We did this and it took two more steps. But as the third time I turned around and charged toward it and big timber was, I mean, breaking, busting as it fled. And I didn't run maybe 10 or 15 feet toward that sound thinking I was scaring off somebody. But yeah, that, that right there kind of stopped me in my tracks. That was, that was kind of unbelievable to me. But at the same time, I wrote that up as I didn't know what it was until 2004 when I was watching, uh, or I should say surfing the web back when we did that. Uh, I came across the Texas Bigfoot Research Center website and they had a little uh, sightings map and right between them two areas on 259 was a, a road crossing. And that's when I started my armchair research. And then from there, I probably, you know, did that for a few years till about 2009 when I started going out in the field. Yeah. So a lot, like a lot of people, you were just doing research on your own, whether it's reading books or on the internet. And then you started socializing a bit and meeting other people and branching out a bit. Is that, is that what I gather? You know, I did uh, very little though. It was, uh, across Twitter where I was doing my socializing, but it was shortly after that, that I got away from the networking part of it because of, Oh, I don't know if I could say it, but like Tom Biscardi, you know, the Rick Dyer and especially the twice over Rick Dyer. Oh yeah. That's a, yeah. That, that was about that same time as the Georgia, the freezer hoax and all that stuff. Right. Yes. So I got away from it and then got back involved probably around the latter part of 2017 into 2018 coming back in. But that's when I, I realized that not being involved with other people, I didn't realize, you know, all this stuff was going on elsewhere. All I had done was just researched uh, LaFleur County, Oklahoma, even though my stuff that I believe was something I couldn't explain in Texas, it was LaFleur County, Oklahoma, where I always ended up. Where do you live? Well, it's kind of like you, Bobo. You took the job in the timber industry to be out there doing, you know, your research. Well, I had an opportunity with the company I'm with to take a job uh, up in Oklahoma where I'm surrounded by wildlife management areas. And uh, so, yeah, I'm in uh, southern Oklahoma, uh, and then I got a place out in East Texas, so that's kind of my area I like I like to research in. Great spots. Yeah, that's great. Well, now, I mean, you, you've only been back into it since 17, you say. You certainly dove into the deep end of the pool because you're all in at this point. You're spending money on gear. You're getting things together. You're taking sighting reports left and right. I met you because of those footprints, um, but... The, the thing that really intrigued me after I met you in person was um, the, that stuff that was happening in Texas that ended up uh, where we lifted the face print. Tell us about uh, maybe that case. How did you get a hold of it and what did you learn from it and all that sort of stuff? Oh, that was that was a great well, matter of fact, it was it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be until I got there. And 
from what I heard beforehand was that there was a trash bag around the back of the truck that moved and the guy shot at it. Yeah, that doesn't sound that great, right? Doesn't sound like it would be. Matter of fact, I thought it was going to be one of them ones where, you know, it's just misidentification. Well, well, first of all, how did it come to you? How did it come to you? And what did, and what did you know going in and all that stuff? Craig Wooleater, he, you, he was part of the Texas Bigfoot Research Center back in the day. I kind of, you know, I, I consider him part of the movement that got me in this because of the TBRC map. Oh, yeah. He's an icon in the community for sure. Real cool guy, too. He's behind everything that happens down here. And uh, I had heard from him. He asked if I'd like to go out and check this out. And not a problem. I took a friend. We went out there, uh, started talking with this individual. And we hadn't talked probably a minute before I said, hey, do you mind if I record this? Uh, just because, hey, I got, a, I got a bad memory. So I hit record, and then he started talking. And in this video, I'm really stunned because it's it's unfolding in a direction I didn't I didn't expect. I'm I'm stumbling, I'm stuttering, and and he's telling me that now this guy he doesn't he doesn't have social media. He goes out, you know, hunts fish. His kids hunt fish. Uh, they had just built this home in an old growth bottom, so it's new construction. Uh, it's deep in the, in the woods, you know, uh, on a dead end road. And this guy has, you know, family TV night. They don't sit around watching TV or playing on Facebook. Ma matter of fact, he goes out to his truck to go get him a, a dip of snuff, uh, snuff after watching a Netflix movie with his family. And, He's, his truck is pointed toward the house, and this is trees are all all the way up to the perimeter of the house and the driveway. So his truck's facing the house, and his wife's suburban's on the side of it, but not as pulled up as far. And as he opened up the door to get him some snuff, he looked over at his wife's suburban, and this, let me paint a picture. This is 930 at night, so it's not what he could see, you know, details, but he notices that there's a, what he thinks is a reusable grocery bag on the roof of that suburban. And he's thinking, well, wow, I can't believe, you know, somebody left their grocery bag up there. And at that point it started moving and it came around the back of the suburban and coming around the back of his truck. And he's a concealed carry. And the lingo he uses was just, you, you, you knew this guy knew what he, you know, he was doing when he pulled his concealed. He put five round center mass and it made a turn and went right into the woods, which is next to the driveway. And he just sat there left stunned. This is a, this is a guy that, that doesn't know any of this Bigfoot story lingo, you know, the cookie cutter terms. He was, he was doing everything cookie cutter, but without, it was coming across raw stuff you'd never heard, you know, people say. What caliber gun was it? It was a nine millimeter and it was the uh, critical defense rounds, hollow points. And that, I think that's why it didn't put it down was because it's hollow points. You know, you wouldn't go shoot a bear or an elephant with a hollow point. So, yeah, so this thing charges at him. He unloads five rounds into it, center mass. He's the guy that taught me that term, by the way. Um, and then it veered off and ran into the woods. 
Yes. So this guy is is sitting sitting there in shock, and his while he's sitting there in shock, he says his wife and his kids come out. The first time he does this on the video, he says my wife and kids come out, and he tells them, "Hey, get back in. Somebody's trying to rob me." And she corrects him this time and says, "No, you said I think I shot someone," and he says. You know, and that's that's what give it some, you know, validity to me. This wasn't like a rehearsal or a story repeated. It was, you know, a story. This was, you know, coming from what happened. And so the guy, you know, proceeds to tell me that it took off into the woods. He called his brother, called his dad. They're racing over there. He called one of his boy's friend's father, which is a sheriff. And, uh, He's supposed to check out and see if there's anything, you know, somebody going to the hospital with gunshot. And, you know, he looks at me and he says, because I thought I shot a, and he, and he kind of did it in a light voice, a big guy. And he said, because he was this wide and he held out like, you know, three and a half, four feet wide. And he goes, and it's like seven and a half feet tall, raising his arms up. And it was just, it was so surreal coming from him. The whole thing made him clear the trees around the house and stick up lights that lit it up like a baseball field. I mean, it, it was it was a crazy incident. Yeah, I, I had a chance to interview this this witness um, at the Texas Bigfoot Conference last year, and I found him nothing but um, very compelling and totally believable. And you know, it was so funny and kind of cute in a way. Uh, he was just uh, uh, astounded that there even was a Bigfoot community, that that people are actually interested in this at all. He had no idea that this was something that people looked into or there have been more sightings or let alone Bigfoots are real, let alone in Texas. And now when, when did this gentleman start even thinking it might be Bigfoot related? Because as you said, he thought that he shot a big dude running at him. I, I got to say real quick, I, I, you got to love Texas. Family night, watching TV, he, he was packing a gun. <laughs> yeah, I do love Texas. Yeah, well, during the time that he had his brother and father on the way, they are thinking, and they're and that's they're the ones that got him on Bigfoot. And I guess you've seen that that photo going around with the Bigfoot riding a cougar. So they had sent him that, making fun of him, and uh, and he that's when it started coming, you know, to realization. Because, like I said, he he was sitting there stunned after he sh you know shot this thing and during his storytelling you know from where he goes over and shows the suburban where it was at he says and right here is a face print you know on the side of this uh vehicle now mind you i'm not there for this particular encounter i'm there for a face print that had showed up recently and that's what had him you know kind of unnerved yeah, so that's not even the face print that Shelly got. That's an entirely different one that happened last, uh, what do we, February 2020, is it? Is that right? Correct. And when I asked if it was the same print that is on the back door, he said, yeah, well, no, kind of. And his wife says, yes, it's exactly the same. That's interesting because the one in uh, the one in February was on the vehicle itself, like it was looking inside the vehicle. But the one that Shelley lifted was left. Oh, it was early October. I want to say October fifth, twenty twenty. 
Um, so it was many, many months later, but the kind of the same behavior, shoving his face against something. Where, where in the car was it? Like, where was its face? Like the back, like in the compartment of the back seat or the front seat? Like It was looking in the back window like it had been peering across, you know, uh, or looking into the window or something. But it was at that same far corner where it was standing at originally. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. This portion of Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com. So is there something preventing you from reaching your goals? Like, you know, do you want something else? Is there something that's interfering with your happiness? Well, check out BetterHelp.com slash Bigfoot. That's betterhelp.com slash Bigfoot. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, a licensed professional therapist. And this is an online service. Connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient and it is private. No one's going to know but you and your licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with this therapist in less than 48 hours. In this sort of COVID environment where everybody's accessing their friends and work online, it just makes sense that something like BetterHelp would rise to the surface. The service is available for clients worldwide. So to find the particular expertise you need online, don't limit yourself to the counselors located near you. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com. Dot com. That's better H-E-L-P, help, betterhelp.com slash Bigfoot. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash Bigfoot. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso, and Satellites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. Everything that he was doing was, in our book, to bait a Bigfoot. They had no curtains, no blinds. Uh, the day of this uh, uh, shooting, they had had family over, barbecuing, kids playing. So, you know, everything, it's got a, a you've seen them power lines, not the great big heavy transmission ones, but the ones that are like 50 foot wide for going to a, a rural home. So he's got one of them that cut through his par, uh, property. It's it's crazy that he was putting out peanut butter, you know, screwed to a tree for deer that was at deer height, not, you know, eight feet in the air. And then he has a chicken coop that is like oh, 80 feet long. Uh, so he's got roosters and chickens and everything says, come here, you know. Oh, yeah. That guy's a natural Bigfooter. <laughs> you know, what I was wondering, was the thing looking in, because look, I, was I, was, I wasn't surprised you said it was at the back, because they, they, they almost always approach a vehicle from the back, because they know people are facing forward. But I'm wondering, was it facing against the window, looking in for something to eat, or if, when he heard that guy come out the door, if he ducked down and looked through the window? 
your guess would be as good as mine, but him just telling me the face print was there. And this is all the story coming to me as I pulled up. I'm not even there for the face print, you know, on the back glass conversation yet. No, on the, the back glass of the house. So we haven't even got to the point of me being there. But when we do get around to there, his house now, because of uh, uh, the shooting incident, he put up blinds all through the house. Every access point around his house has guns. So if you go to the back door, there's a there's a AR there. If you go to the front door, there's an AR there. They're all carrying pistols. I think that was anyhow. I don't think Bigfoot really did that. Yeah, I mean it's Texas after all, right? Right, right. <laughs> and this is this is a guy that he's not having misidentification. He goes out. He has hog traps. And I mean, he's showing me videos on his phone where he's actually grabbing, you know, hogs by their ears and wrestling them into pens, you know, to haul them off. Uh, this this ain't this ain't somebody that would misidentify the wildlife around him. Now, in his place, like I said, it's old growth. Man, he to him, this is this is the to protect my family is why he you know made the uh, the reach out you know, reached out to Craig, the, to me and to you, we're like, this is a gold mine, you know, but he don't see it that way. Yeah. Well, not a monetary gold mine and a gold mine of information. I want to point that out because this isn't a money thing. Well, that, yeah, that's exactly it. I, let me correct that. Yes. Uh, so this, this is not your average guy that wants to be, you know, into the subject once he found out that this is one of the biggest mysteries right here in front of him coming around, not just once, but a couple of different times. Um, when the face print showed up on the back, this is where, you know, I actually got to see it. Cliff, you got to see it. And I even removed the back uh, glass out of the door and we took it up and, and Cliff and Shelly, uh, we got them involved. Matter of fact, that's a whole nother story. I think you covered a little bit of it with Shelly about Doug Hychek looking for that waxy, waxy substance left behind in our oils. How serendipitous is that? We had Doug on the podcast a few weeks before that. Then we go to Texas and there is exactly what Doug was asking for. He like he said, well, if we can only lift some of this goo that they have on their hands or that. And then we go to Texas and I'm talking to you and we, I learn about this and you say, yeah, we removed the glass, the glass from the door where the Sasquatch pressed its face or the possible Sasquatch pressed its face is going to be at the Texas Bigfoot conference. And I'm thinking, holy crap, this is it. This is the opportunity. You know, when you was doing the swabs with Shelly for, you know, the compounds and DNA, the part that sticks out to me, and I've, I've got that on video, you know, because uh, Bobo, I videoed the whole thing, even the pulling of the glass out. So the chain of custody is, you know, it's all there. And But when Cliff was swabbing that waxy compound, the oils left behind, it was amazing of how the oils actually pushed into a pile as you were swiping at it. It was thick and gooey. Yeah, I'm, I was really surprised to hear that. Man, it, it, was, it was a crazy deal. Well, how did the witnesses um, stumble across that face print? It wasn't on their glass, like their back door? or the, It was on glass, certainly, but where, how did they find it? 
you know, she's she's the old fashioned, you know, type wife. And matter of fact, the whole family old fashioned before social media type old fashioned. Get outside, enjoy the outdoors. That was their, you know, playstations. Um, so she kept a house that was full of food and always clean. So she had cleaned that back window and uh and then it was the following day when she looked and seen the face print at the very top. And this is a like a uh, uh, a French twin door back doors. And it's the only place on the house now that doesn't have a curtain or blinds. So it's the only place to look in. And once again, it was kind of like the shooting deal. They had had family over doing a barbecue. They do this all the time uh, and kids playing. So, I'm seeing that, you know, it come in to watch just it's entertainment and where this was on the window, the face print, the what, what I would guess would be the 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 upper lip. It measured six feet, one inches off the ground to the upper lip. And it's also at a place on that window that if you was taller, you would lower your head down to where you can actually see in the glass and not be looking through wood, you know. Yeah, it was at the very top part of the glass. You would, you would have to, if, if you were seven, seven and a half feet tall, you would probably have to scrunch down just a little bit just to get inside the, the, the glass frame itself to take a peek. I'm so excited about this. I'm anxious, anxious to see what happens uh, with these swabs. Well, I've been in communication with Doug. I mean, I, I'm still, I still have them. They're safely tucked away in my fridge, like sitting there. I'm, I've stored them exactly like Doug told me to, and they're just waiting for um, his need. You know, whenever he wants them, they're there. I spoke to Meldrum as well. He, he's very well aware of them as well. Well, I, I don't know if you remembered the video, uh, but at the very end of the video, I asked each of uh, his boys and his wife and him. And I refer to him as John and Jane Doe. Matter of fact, they went to the conference to see this video played as John and Jane Doe. That's how they were introduced to me at the conference. <laughs> yes. So at the uh, at the end of the video, I asked him, I said, did you uh, believe in Bigfoot before this? And then did you do you believe in Bigfoot now? And even him having the shooting, he says he holds his fingers real close. He goes, I'm this close, this close. To believe in a Bigfoot. Yes, yes. I mean, and uh, that, that was an outrageous, you know, there's there's some things I hold in, like the PG film. Uh, that makes me, I'd say that's 50% of my believing power. And this, this encounter the gentleman had in East Texas, I'd say that's a good 25% of my believe power. Well, you know, he, now he's like in the loop, though. Like this gentleman, uh, John Doe, now is aware that, okay, so he's this close to believing 100% the Sasquatch is real. Okay, well, now he's in a position where he can collect some evidence because, unfortunately, his lack of awareness that Bigfoots were real, we missed a big opportunity. Because when his, uh, after the shooting, after the shooting, and, and remember his, his father and brother, I think, were coming over, when they started looking around, the only evidence they saw, I believe, if I remember right, maybe there were scuff marks in the driveway and the gravel or something, but there was actually blood on the scene. So that was the missed opportunity, but that kind of thing wouldn't happen again. Now, now that this gentleman is aware that these things are real and probably lurking around his property. Yeah, there was, there was a, a few drops of blood and I was even on the video. I was excited. Oh, wow. 
you don't happen to have that. And he's like, he thought he shot somebody is what he thought. That's why he didn't collect nothing. How much blood was there? He said a few drops. And they scoured them woods that night, all night, just looking for any other traces, and they couldn't find none. Oh, I can't believe we left this part out. Like I said, there's some things that tell you this was authentic in a real encounter. When he called his dad and his brother, he was in the house. And while he was in the house, something came and banged on the side of the house three times with big boom, boom, boom. And his wife told him not to go out. They're trying to get you outside. At the same time, Bigfoot is not in their vocabulary. Yeah, they didn't know that banging on the side of a house is a very typical Bigfoot behavior. Especially after something like that. Yeah, man. It's always the way it goes. Like the best thing, the best thing that ever happens to people is usually when they're totally unaware. They don't realize the significance. They don't realize what they should be looking for, like evidence to gather. And then they'll find out and go, oh, man, next time it happens, I'm going to do this and that. And then there is usually no next time like that. Which brings up a question. Have you been in contact with them lately? And has anything else happened? Uh, last I spoke to them was October. So what, what, do you, what, what have you heard, if anything? I am in contact with them. I actually have a, uh, a camera. Uh, it's, it's not a game camera. It's kind of like it. But I have a uh, pan, tilt, and zoom camera set up on the back of their property. It runs off 4G. Um, I rotate it around every now and then, but yeah, we, we keep in, uh, uh, contact and then, you know, now he's got friends he shares this with. And so I've had a story or two. Hey, I had this one guy, he said he saw, uh, something cross the road in front of him. But I think that, you know, that's one of them deals where all of a sudden now everybody's going to be seeing Bigfoot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful because we, we, anybody who's been in the game for a while, like you, you learn uh, there's certain things you can trust. And the longer you're in it, the fewer people you do trust, it seems, you know, you know, uh, firsthand information. That's that's about the only thing I really believe now is is to be able to read the people right on. And sometimes I'm uh, I'm I'm skeptic to a fault. We all should be. Well, after the the footprint, you know, situation that made me that way yeah that's that's a lesson that you have to learn the hard way unfortunately i think you know you have to get burned and but the thing is the challenge for us as researchers um is to not fall in the trap that the old timers did and when i say the old timers i'm talking directly about the four the four horsemen uh renee de hinden peter byrne all, all those those sorts um we stand on their shoulders they did tremendous work but i think that if i could find a fault with what they did is that uh after a while after being burned so many times and after to deal with so many hoaxers weirdos crazy people and just like the, the, the you know that kind of thing i think that you get a little jaded and you assume everything is like that until it's proven otherwise, even to the point where I think some of them have stopped looking for Bigfoot a long time ago and started looking for hoaxes, whether they realize it or not, because it's the hoaxes that they find everywhere, you know. And, and so that, that it, you got to—it's like walking on a razor's edge. You do—you do need to listen to everybody, but you don't have to believe everybody. In fact, it's okay to even say I don't know if I believe them or not, that's okay too. You don't have to come down hard and say yes or no about everything. But the thing is don't, as researchers, I'd, I'd like to implore us all to not become cynical and assume that everything is a hoax. It's okay to say, well, yeah, he told me that, but I don't know if it's true. 
I think that's a very safe position to be in because you're telling nothing but the truth. Uh, but to assume things are hoaxes just because one thing doesn't line up with what you think, you're going to be throwing a lot of babies out with a lot of bathwater. Well, you know, this is what I was saying beforehand is I envy you two guys. Y'all get a lot of good information that come across. And a lot of bad. Yeah, you got to separate a lot of chaff to get to the wheat. Yeah, you know, and actually, uh, Mike, uh, uh, that's one of the reasons uh, many years ago I, I stopped putting so much faith in sighting reports. Um, really, at the end of the day, you got a dot on the map where and when somebody says they saw a Sasquatch. But there's nothing you can really take to the bank about any of that stuff, which is why I focus on physical evidence. That's where I enjoy putting my attention. Yeah, stories are great. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, everybody's got one. But at the end of the day, they're just stories. And it, it, you don't know the validity. You don't know the, the cultural biases that are, uh, the biases that are in, inherent in what people are telling you. You don't know lighting conditions. You don't know vocabulary skills. You don't know any of these things. They're just stories and they have a place. But I think the community um, being human beings, and this is a fault of human beings. I hold all human beings at fault for this. We're a storytelling mythological creature. You know, we like to hear stories. Most of our 300,000 year history has been only recorded verbally, you know, verbal tradition, oral tradition, essentially. The written, the written language is only 10, 12,000, 15,000 years old, really. Um, and and uh, because of that, we are, I think, genetically programmed to want to hear stories all the time. But gosh, as a researcher, you can only put so much stock in it is the problem yeah i'm i'm finding myself now leaning toward factual evidence um which brings us down the other avenue shelly covington montana that being the citizen scientist she is the work she puts into you know field work i should say she she's always better in herself so i couldn't find somebody better to team up with to come at it from a factual point of view. It's a great compliment to you that she you know, that she chose you to team up with, so that says something great about you, too. Well, you know what? I don't have to worry about what's in my bag because I don't have to carry guns. I, having Shelly, you got every tool in your belt right there. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Well, you've been investing in a lot of equipment lately. Holy smokes, right? That's why I say I'm a, I'm a hardcore skeptic. At the same time, I'm a hardcore believer. So, yeah, it has. if I was married, I would be divorced right now for how much I have invested here lately. <laughs> if I was married, I would be divorced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have, we have mutually invested, you know, uh, into our weak areas on thermal imagery. I mean, we've, uh, we're over, I think we're over 30 grand now in just thermal imagery in the past year. Holy smokes. Hey, I'm loving it. Well, what's the plan? What's the plan with the thermal imagers? What do you, what do you want to do with these things? What, what, how are you utilizing them? So I had gotten a, uh, a Suburban that I used for just, uh, if you've been in uh, uh, Southeast Oklahoma, where they've got all these fire lanes you can roll through, uh, and you get a, a good, I mean, they're, it's, it's, you could get really remote, even though they're fire lanes through most of the mountains back in there. So 
I spent, you know, before I started networking in 2017 again, I spent a lot of that time just driving through wishing, man, if I had thermals, this would be great. So what I have done is I, I took a suburban that I didn't worry about the cosmetics of, you know, scratching it. So it's an, it's an old one that I don't mind bulldozing through brush. Uh, but I've got thermal cameras on the left side and they're 640 resolution. So thermal on the left side, thermal on the right side. I've got, uh, two 12 inch flip down monitors by my rear view mirror. So it tells me what each one is seeing. And then we've got three different handhelds for bringing in the images that first we spot it with the ones on the suburban. And then we can roll down the windows and put the handhelds on it. And we got 12 inch monitors that they, you know, send a signal to so we could see what they're seeing. And now we just recently added the DJI Mavic 2 Enterprise Advanced drone, which is 640 resolution. And that thing is crazy nice. I mean, it has so many functions. It's got a spotlight on it. If you, you know, a matter of fact, I did this uh, here recently, just playing around because, you know, it, we need it to be in the fall or winter for them thermals really to see through the canopy. So I was just playing around in the field behind, but you could pick something up with, you know, the thermal and then flip on the spotlight and zoom in with the 48 megapixel camera and actually see it on regular, you know, uh, screen. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you'd love that, Bogues. Man, if we get footage, then we're going to have it on at least three cameras, if not more. And, and the one thing about the thermal drone is every pixel on it, it records the temperature. So you can put it into the software and it doesn't matter whatever that image is that you're curious about. It records the temperature in that pixel. That's our tools going forward. And we can't wait for this fall. And just, you know, Hey, we just try to get through the summer with stories and, you know, uh, maybe improving a little bit more. So I went and added a duck boat to our arsenal. And now I've got the same cameras that I put on a suburban I can now take from four feet high and telescope up to 15 feet and see over the riverbanks. And the same uh, kind of setup, I've got two 12-inch monitors that tell me what them are seeing as well. Dude, you're going to get married sooner than you think because I'm coming down there and marrying you, Mike. Bromance is okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm just kicking myself. I don't have that set up myself. Man, I want to tell you, um, it... it Boiled down to just about every time my paycheck rolled around, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to do it and figure out how to make it through the next week. <laughs> I'm just going to buy it and figure out how to make it to next week. But at the same time, that's where it helped a lot teaming up with Shelly. Me and her husband, uh, we're good friends. We talk almost every morning you know plus he's the only guy up at five o'clock in the morning when i call <laughs> yeah don uh, is shelly's husband of course and don is a tremendous human being i love that man every time we hang out we have just the best time so yeah shelly could not have married any better and certainly don could have married any better than shelly too um this cannot speak nicely enough about that man We've come together and started a, a little thing we're calling the Sasquatch Inquisition Project. 
which nobody expected, I'm sure. And nobody's heard of until that right there. Some people out there are laughing, by the way. That was a joke that went over most people's heads, by the way. Inquisition is not the most friendly word. That's true. It's not, actually. So, <laughs> but, but I guess if you find a Sasquatch, you can inquire. Um, so tell us about the Sasquatch Inquisition. Here's something that we had, you know, talked a lot about, and that is, I'm not, you know, naming names, but a lot of, a lot of people, you know, when they go in the woods, and I know you know this, everything that moves is Bigfoot. Um, so we've put it out, we've got, you know, some stuff out there, and it's called the Sasquatch.inquisition.project at gmail.com, where we had been receiving reports, and we investigate ourselves and decide where to go from there. So this working great so far. I mean, we've gotten a lot of responses. Yeah, you, you want the reports to come to you because, you, you, frankly, just like any other Bigfoot researcher, it's really hard to not necessarily trust because people aren't necessarily liars all the time, but um, the trust the judgment thereof. You know, I would rather see it for myself than have someone else tell me what a great footprint cast something is, right? You, it's only by coming to your own conclusions. Because um, if it doesn't happen to you, it's hearsay at best. Yeah, so you have sasquatch.inquisition.project at gmail.com. If anybody in your general area of Southeast Oklahoma and Texas wants to report a Bigfoot sighting to you. Exactly. And I've always trusted Shelly's judgment and me and her together. I think that this would really be something big for us. Oh, I think so too. Especially like if they have ongoing activity, like if any of our listeners have ongoing activity and you want some no nonsense, no BSers coming out to ask you questions, or you think that there might be one in the neighborhood that's because it is ongoing. Well, it's apparently Mike has a whole rig full of technology that maybe you can film the thing. Maybe you can get some footprint casts. Maybe you can uh, learn a little bit more about the Sasquatches in your area with these investigators on site. I think that we all believe that, you know, it needs to be recent reports because anything that we have had happen is usually just happenstance. We haven't found any worn down tracks, you know, pathways, you know, like deer or hogs of Bigfoots. So, I mean, I got the camera at the East Texas house because it has happened through there, but it's been, you know, eight months between the last encounter to, you know, the recent one. And so recent reports maybe put us in a general area where we need to be. Yeah. Or at least a sighting, a cluster of sightings that are within a couple years old. Nothing wrong with that either. Cause the longer I do this, the more I'm realizing Sasquatches do not seem to move very far. If there's a cluster of reports and for Bigfoot, that means two or three, uh, you know, cause data is so scarce. And I, I think that's an excellent place to look. Well, you know, you have the great, you know, Pacific Northwest up there, we have a corridor. So it's all clustered down through that corridor. We just need to know where to be at on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if we knew that, we'd have footage, right? I have thought many times if I could just come up with another enough cameras to go all the way across that corridor, we're bound to get some footage. Cliff, aren't you coming down here? I currently have no plans to be in Texas, although I'm confident that I will be there at some point. But right now, I've, I have no plans to be in the neighborhood. Well, hey, when y'all come down, Bobo, y'all just holler. And that's, I built a, this thing is set up for the whole night. So whenever somebody gets tired, they can climb in the back and take a nap. We never stop rolling. There's, a, there's like a, 
a whole bed back there. And let me tell you this, the AC blows cool. <laughs> it better. <laughs> I just I just spent five hundred bucks just, uh, a couple days ago making sure that it it blows cool, new AC compressor and everything. So it may not look the best, but it will get you. I mean, I didn't want it to break down, so it's got a new motor, new transmission, everything. This thing is meant to go the whole night. Yeah, well, there's nothing to be ashamed of here. I mean, you came on Cliff and Bobo's podcast, and if there's one thing about Cliff and Bobo is we're not pretty, but we're functional. Okay, I'm speaking for myself. Bobo's pretty, but less functional. <laughs> you know, something else I wanted to uh, talk to you about that I don't think many people elaborate on, and that is you guys from the Finding Bigfoot show, y'all just – all the time out there, you know, doing your night hikes. And I'm going to tell you, that is the one thing that I love the most is that solo night hike. I mean, there's, and I don't think that it's elaborated enough of how much cojones it takes to pull that off. Carry a camera and you're fine. Nothing comes around. <laughs> right. I've got some areas, like I said, I took this job out here and it has, I've got wildlife management area one way, refuge another. Uh, I got Washita River running through my, you know, back area. I got Blue River. I got, I mean, there's all this right here behind my house, literally right behind my house. Um, I have cellular game cameras with decoy camps that I kayak out to. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's a history and some stories back in there. And there, you know, I feel like some of the areas your gut tells you you shouldn't be there. And that's the ones I feel like that's where you need to hike. You know, I think your sixth sense tells you not to go there. And I think that, you know, I think that's where you need to hike. And I do that a lot. And I, so my hat's off to you guys for doing that for so long and the, and the solo campouts. And that was some, I don't think people, you know, understand the the uh how much it takes to do them kind of night hikes and adventures by yourself yeah remember on the show though if you saw us on camera there was a a guy holding the camera so just whatever shout out to tyler bounds right there who was on the show for so many years camping with us but it is just me or bobo or whoever and tyler or whoever's holding the camera but um you know if if most of the places, uh, you know, well, I always enjoyed going to places, and I still do, where, where mountain lions aren't prevalent. So I don't have to, like, listen real hard behind me. Because uh, even now, like, here in Oregon, there's a there's a problem with mountain lions. A few, like, a, I don't know how long ago, five, eight years ago, they uh, passed a law where it's illegal to hunt mountain lions with dogs. And um, that's really the only effective way to hunt them. So ever since then, the mountain lion population has just exploded. Do you have those things down there in eastern Texas and Oklahoma? Yes, matter of fact, I, I make it a habit to when uh, I go hiking that I take a particular, you know, trail or path that I don't plan on going down, but just to turn around and backtrack to make sure nothing is stalking me. But more than that, we've got a uh, hog population to watch out for. So just be close to a tree. <laughs> yeah, I'm not not a big fan of hogs either in that same sort of way. We don't we don't have too many of those out where I live, so. 
Well, okay, Mike, uh, we had, I knew we had to have you on when Shelly spoke so highly of you. And of course, I, I know you personally, so we're going to have you on eventually anyway. But Shelly was a nice reminder to get my butt in gear to give you a call to get you on Bigfoot and Beyond. And I, I think it was a great episode. We're hearing about some of the investigations you've done and the technologies that uh, you're looking at. And also, you and uh, Shelly's new, um, you're and Shelly's new project, the Sasquatch Inquisition Project. So um, good luck with that. If there's anything I can do to help out, please do not hesitate to let me know. Well, thank you. Hey, thank both of you guys for having me on. This uh, it was a great little conversation we had. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mike. It was great having you on. And I'm going to take it. Uh, don't be surprised when you hear the bulbs knock on your door saying, let's go check out your what you got going on here. Yeah, don't be surprised, by the way, because that, that will happen. Hey, just like you guys, man. All you got to do is holler and we're gone. I'll go. Careful what you ask for, Mike. I know Bobo very well. And there's been a couple 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning phone calls. Like, Cliff, dude, I'm in Salem. I'm going to crash on your couch. It's like, well, it's a good thing I picked up, you know, <laughs> to unlock the door. Otherwise, Bobo would be breaking in my house, too. So careful what you ask for, Mike. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks a lot, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. We'll see y'all. Bye. Well, there you go, Bobes. And by the way, Bobes, I don't mind when you call me at 1230 or 1 in the morning to crash on my couch. You know that, right? Uh, I try not to, but sometimes things happen. Yeah, so as long as you know you don't mind. But, but how, how great was Mike? You, now, you've never met Mike, have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, you have? Okay. He's, okay. Real, he's like the most cowboy cow. Like we're in Texas. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, like wear the cowboy hats. And, you know, they say all cattle or all hat, no cattle. And he is true blue outdoor cowboy Texan. Yeah, he, he's pretty great. He, he goes out of his way not to have any vegetables whatsoever. He just adds another heap, heaping pile of steak. True Texan through and through. And a, and a great researcher, too. And he's really poured a lot of money and time and effort into this. And a solid guy, man. I really, really respect Mike. And he's kind of basically, uh, he and Shelly are my go-tos for Texas at this point. So Yeah, good call. Yeah, I can't wait to get back down there, man. I'm, I'm really going to hit him up, man. I'm going to get over there and check that place out. Yeah, yeah, you should. He's got a lot going on down there. So yeah, everybody who's listening, uh, if you have, if you're if you live in that part of the country, you want some real solid investigators on the scene, you can always call them, um, Mike and Shelley, at uh, sasquatch.inquisition.project at gmail.com. Let them know about what you got going on, and maybe they can come down and help you out and get some evidence back to share with the community. Cool, Cliff. Well, you have a good one up there. And uh, anyone that's listening to this, stop by the NABC, North American Bigfoot Center, outside of Portland on, on the way to Mount Hood. Come and see Cliff in his awesome museum. And until next time, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 